Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Good news, everyone. <laughs> I can't do that. It's much. a suppository. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Is this our Halloween episode or is that next week? No, our Halloween episodes aren't even recorded at this point. Yeah. Damn. We have quite a backlog. Where we're was very, I? We're just. I didn't even dress up for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're very on top of things. We have backlog and everything. But by the time that you hear this, everything will be caught up. It's true. I dressed as a metalhead for Halloween. That's what no I matter, was. You know, even if we're not caught up. Right. <laughs> even if we're not. Whatever that means. It, we've skipped a week recording and it feels like forever. I know. It's good it to be does. back it's in so the studio. It's so good to be back in the studio. Yeah. I missed you guys so much. Stupid me having to go see a great concert. Yeah. How was the concert? Who did you go see? I saw Chris Cornell. And? At the Uptown Theater in your hometown of Napa, Napa California. California. And it was amazing. Yeah. Chris Cornell and an acoustic guitar and 30 songs later. 30. Nice. Yeah. That's, That's a hell of a set. That's a serious set. A lot of Audio Slave, a lot of Soundgarden, a lot of Chris Cornell solo stuff, and my nice. favorite Hunger of the Dog stuff. Temple of the Dog. Nice. That's awesome. Sounds like a good show. Man, I it, saw Audio Slave on their first tour, and I was hoping, I, was like, I know he's not going to do any Soundgarden, just... One temple of the dog. That's all I want. But no. But the audio slave was great. I got, you know, of course, Hunger Strike and They Mm. Call Me a Dog and Wooden Jesus, which were my three favorite songs off the album. I wish they would have done Say Hello to Heaven. That, you know, that's probably one of my all time favorite songs. Mm. Didn't do it acoustically. So, And then the opener was actually kind of a revelation. His name was B. Beeman. And I picked up his CDs, you know, between the sets in. You know, and then I had to piss after, so I'm getting ready to go. And, like, standing in front of the, the door of the bathroom, he's like, oh, do you want me to sign those? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the guy. Sign those. But And then I got to go piss, so can you get out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> so he Stage did. five. If I pee on you, I swear, it's not because of starstruck. And Justin will appreciate this. I, I bought his cover CD, and one of the songs he did was Rainbow in the Dark, reworked as a blues standard. Huh. I need to hear that. And then Highway to Hell is kind of a gospel song. You could I could like hear it in a church being sung. <laughs> I'm on a highway. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Huh. So good show then. Show was great. And then, awesome. Then last night I saw Brian Wilson and Jeff Beck. And it was Right. So wow. I'm all concerted out for a while. How was Jeff Beck, man? Did <laughs> Jeff he have Beck that was... did he have that female bass player with him that totally he had rocks? A, a different female bass player that was amazing. Yeah, they... And he had this young violinist chick who was like virtuoso. Very cool. On Sunday, we went to see Whitechapel and Gore. Gwar? Gwar. Oh, yeah. How was that? Gwar was better than they were last time. It was a pretty good show. Isn't it a you get messy kind oh, yeah, of concert? Yeah. <laughs> and we took a friend of ours who had never been to, as far as I know, a heavy metal concert. And you ever. took her to a Gwar concert? Well, it was her 40th time? birthday, right? And I'm like, <laughs> and she, and I was like, well, what are you doing for your birthday? And she's like, I'm going sailing. And she goes, well, I'm like, and I was thinking, well, we could have a little party or something like that. I'm like, hey, we're going to Gwar on Saturday. Do you want to go? And she's like, Okay, and I'm like, I'll buy your ticket. <laughs> and yeah, dude, so she, <laughs> she, you know, like uh, two songs in, you know, they're chopping heads off of stuff. And uh-huh. <laughs> it was pretty awesome just watching First her reaction. Rose may get covered in excrement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was a pretty good show. That's um, awesome. We, I went primarily to see Whitechapel. Was, I, I really like them, but, uh, you know, Gore is always fun to see. Not as relevant as they were back in the like back in the day when I used to wa- when I used to go to see them. They were much more politically hot, topical, and yeah. there was a however silly a message behind their gore and slaying of things. They killed Justin Bieber, which just seemed cheesy to me. 
it's like where's you know yeah they're quite a spectacle yeah, yeah so but it was, it was kind know. of a eh, might as well probably right. decision i'm so. twitter friends with the reviewer from the san jose mercury news mm-hmm. and tweet back and forth quite quite a bit and he was bemoaning that he got assigned to the kanye west concert rather than the Brian Wilson, Jeff Beckwith. Oh. <laughs> so you could say, what is it? Yeezus or whatever? Kanye. And I'm like, well, that's why I have to pay for tickets and they pay you to write it. That's right. Have to go that's to... right. It's a Any, if, even if you don't like so, it, if it's good, you have to. Yeah. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> when I was down there at the Paramount. Um, we... Where's your gay fish girlfriend, <laughs> Kanye? <laughs> <laughs> when we were down at the Paramount. I walked by the Fox and Lama God and Killswitch are playing there like next month. Yep, I have tickets to that show. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen haven't seen Lamb of God in about two years. Not gonna go see Slayer on the thirtieth, decidedly, which is a tough one for me. Yeah, I was not I'm surprised. It's a Wednesday, man, in mm, San Jose, yeah. and it's really Slayer light. So we'll see how it goes. It's it's half of Slayer. It's half of Slayer. I'll wait till I wanna you know, I'll wait till the new album comes out. So I did want to see uh there's a band playing with them called Forearm that looks that sounded pretty cool, but I'll I'll wait. So it it has nothing to do with the Rob Liefeld character that I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> oh my god! Good right. times. And his yeah. his thing was he had forearms, and his name was Forearm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I would have called him the Quad by Four or something. Two no, by four. But before we get into the comics, we're going to talk about tonight. We should introduce I, I, ourselves. We should introduce ourselves. With me as always is. <laughs> What are we like? Ten minutes into this, we now? are. <laughs> With me as always is uh, our Panda Mango partners, JP and Joe. Hey, everybody! Hi. And this talk of metal all <laughs> happened because of Justin Woods here from AskAMetalHead.com. That's me. You can tell by my silky smooth metal voice. And I'm <laughs> I'm John Harder from Waterfront Comics, who obviously likes '90s grunge and '60s surf music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you Did you get that? Oh, you did. You I sent Justin on YouTube the heavy metal rooster we were talking yeah, about the other did, day. Yeah, I did see that. That was funny. <laughs> that rooster is a badass. It's awesome. <laughs> but it just not keeps as, going. Not as badass as the mantis shrimp. Right? Not as bad as did I say it right? The no, man- no it's the uh mantis shrimp. Mantis shrimp. That's what I said. The mantis shrimp. Yeah. That mantis shrimp's a badass. Oh yeah. I haven't Breaks seen the that speed yet. of sound. Yeah. Th- that's probably great, the most metal. It boils water, right? Yeah. It yeah. Moves so if little... you go to the onion, actually, um, oh, if, you, oh, if you go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Pandemega Comics, I just posted that a little while ago. So uh, you'll probably never find it considering this is going to come out a ways from now. But but or you can Google go to the Mantis. onion. Yeah, go, go, yeah, Google, <laughs> Google the mantis shrimp. It's a meme now. So. Yeah. And there's a great article on the onion, I want to say. It was on oatmeal. Oh, oatmeal, the oatmeal. Yeah. And it's great. They they did this like little cartoons of it and stuff. And they explained a bunch of scientific facts about it. And it's basically like the evil Superman of the sea. <laughs> it's unbelievably powerful. It can punch crazy fast. And it basically has these like little raptor arms. And it has this sort of spring-loaded mechanism. And it goes crack and hits stuff. And it'll crack open shells, it'll break glass, it'll do whatever it needs to do, and it can go so fast, and it's with such fury that it can actually boil water, that it can actually create sparks underwater. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's insane. If the new Godzilla movie that's coming out next year is a hit, I want the next one to be a mutated mantis shrimp. He, he wouldn't, even have, to end. That he would wouldn't even have to be big. He could be like six <laughs> foot tall, and he would be just destructive. Dude. Yeah, he'd just go pop, 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 pop. No, apparently what it does is as it as it like goes to smack stuff, if it doesn't even hit it, 
it creates a shockwave that right. dismembers stuff. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, they can't you. even get it fully recorded with today's technology. They can't get it slow enough. No, no. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and all you see is you hear a sound, and you see the thing in front of them like shake, but you don't really see it move. Yeah, it's just like Hur! it's 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 really rad. And they're kind of pretty too. Well, yeah, they're gorgeous, and and apparently they can see like in the infrared and ultraviolet and which, zone. Which is just like makes it a bad. It's like the predator hunter. It what is. What the hell is, is this thing? It's, when you're, <laughs> it's yeah, so amazing. It's like it, the most badass little predator. So if you're in the ocean and you hear over here, over <laughs> here, you might want to swim to the surface because it's not a shark. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gnarly. Do you watch the? Have you ever seen those YouTube videos where the guy does a Morgan Freeman voice and Taylor watches them all the time? Oh, do, I, does she? I forget what it's called, but. He does like a Morgan Freeman voice. So they do like weird shit. Like when they were talking about the, it was some kind of like sea pig and they're like, well, bacon is delicious from regular pigs. This would taste like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'd be the, all salty. Now the YouTube videos that I've been really getting into are the animation domination ones where they do scientifically accurate Ninja Turtles, oh, no. scientifically accurate Spider-Man scientifically accurate DuckTales. DuckTales. And Ooh. then they, they go off and they do, they did one about Batman recently where he's doing his driver's test <laughs> and the driver, because you use your car, right? Yeah, so it's the so Batmobile. he puts a Batmobile. And so the guy sits in and he goes, he goes, all right. And then the automatic seat, uh, the automatic seat belts go <laughs> around him and it has an R on it. <laughs> and he looks left and he goes, he goes, what? <laughs> and he says, he says, this isn't a car. And he goes, he, he goes, and he just drives off like a crazy man. He starts running through stuff, and he's like, you're not using blinkers. He's like, they're not black. <laughs> and he goes, you just ran off his people. I am Batman. <laughs> they're not black. The blinkers aren't black. So he's, That's awesome. And then he, like, smashes the thing. It just totally destroys it. And then he gets out, and he goes, luckily, Batman can fly. And, like, the, the bat thing comes, the bat, like, jet comes up, and he jumps into it, and then he smashes into something else. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Animation domination is so ridiculous. I'll have to check that out. It's hilarious. It's have you watched the um with the ADHD on yeah. what's the Saturday nights and Oh I haven't done that. I've yeah. just seen it on YouTube. The Axe Cop stuff's great. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> we should review in some Axe Cop <sighs> I don't know if I have it in me, man. What is it? Axe Cop, it's a started out as a comic written by a five year old and drawn by his twenty five year old brother. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's just, it's it's That's really nonsensical. One time I was talking to John Fulson, I'm like, yeah, that's a really cool idea. He's like do you know how fucking long it took me to break into comics? <laughs> and some little fucking asshole five-year-old now gets published all the time. <laughs> That's funny. It, it for, will forever remind me of Michael Hamburger's Real Absolute Power, which was a book that this, I think, 10-year-old kid wrote oh, about, ninjas. about ninjas. And it's his perspective. He was obsessed with ninjas, and it's his perspective about ninjas. And there's entire chapters about ninjas versus this, ninjas versus that. And it's like, ninjas versus pirates. He's like, pirates think they're cool with all their swords and lasers, but their magic only works on water. And it's just so ridiculous. Ninjas are definitely much cooler than ninjas. <laughs> Um, what I was going to say a while ago, though, before we get into the comic we were talking about, I just wanted to like shout this out. Shaolin Cowboy is off the hook. It is so amazing. Like the And if you guys do go pick up the Shaolin Cowboy comic, read the tiny little text in the beginning because uh, it's like the funniest part of the whole it, it book. Was, it, I, 
when your recommendation, we were tweeting back and forth. I read that and I'm like, this is amazing, but it has nothing to do with the first nothing seven to do issues. with the first. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it, but it's seriously, it's nothing but crazy innuendos and silly jokes, and it's this epic romp. And it, I don't even know. I can't. I can't describe how much I enjoy that. It, there's no. There's not words. It's so good. And Jeff Darrow is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm have to check it out. Yes, you really do need to check it out. Aren't it's, we doing a review on it soon? Well, when it when it gets to trade zone, we'll have to do. If it, it ever does, I mean, they did the first seven and it just stopped. Kind of stopped. Well, well, seven's enough for a trade. If you do read it digitally, I recommend you read it on your computer and you flip your computer screen so it's vertical. Mm. So you have like a twenty-two inch vertical screen to see all the detail. Yeah, it's an unbelievable amount of detail. It's the kind of detail you see. Like, it reminds me of Katsuhiro Otomo, who did Akira. All the amazing amount of detail and the broken, destroyed cityscapes. And, you know, it's sort of a similar kind of realistic, you know, look. And I don't know, it's just insane. It's insane. So I sent, after we were talking about that, I sent JP over uh, Hard Boiled and Rusty the Boy Robot so we can get some more Daro in his. Yeah, I've been up to my eyeballs and I love it. Love it. So tonight we're talking about. We are actually going back to long, long time ago, 16 episodes ago, when we first started with we, the first thing we reviewed was Lazarus number one. Lazarus. A new trade has just come out of the first story arc. So oh, that's right. When we were doing the Rucka cast. Yeah, we did the Rucka mm-hmm. cast. And this is before we were set up up here. Yes. Right? Yeah. We were downstairs in and amongst the trades. You could say that this is this is the four J's in a comics Lazarus oh, coming back. Yes. Oh. We've resurrected it. Yes. We What we've learned is not to start them after midnight, like mm-hmm. we did the first one, mm-hmm. after, you know, watching Or, or get dinner first. Yeah. Yeah. Also not a wise choice. Yes, do not go get dinner first. Don't. Not to not to try to reveal 10 single issues in a single podcast. Mm-hmm. No. A bunch of don't, short stories doesn't yeah, work either. Stories, no. So don't feed them after midnight. Don't get them wet. Don't, <laughs> don't, right. give, don't give them 30 issues of Avengers to get started on reading. <laughs> oh, man. So Lazarus, so we have currently at the time of this recording, there are four issues out. Four issues out and one trade paperback available for the low, low price of nine ninety nine. Wow, that's a great that's deal. A steal. Really, it's a complete yeah. steal. Wow. Is there anything extra in the trade paperback? I think the timelines in there, which we'll get into later, and I love that in the the issues. Yeah, the timeline that we had. It's very cool. So when we first started this, this is easy enough to remember. Episode number one. Number one. We talked about. The world building behind it, and it was an interesting start, and in how we wanted to see more. Yeah, well, it's now very we, cool. Yeah, now we've gotten a full story arc. Um, the back matter of all the issues, there was a timeline that ran through the first two, three, and four, which gave us an idea how the world has become this way. The idea behind Lazarus is instead of like what the Occupy movement was complaining about, where one percent of the population owns ninety nine percent of the wealth. In this one, it's one hundred, like one millionth of the population owns 99.9% of the wealth. There's family, which is very, you know, very small, maybe six to eight members in each family. And then they have their serfs. It's very futile. Yeah. And then underneath them is what they call waste, which is people that. Like peasants. Yeah, peasants. Mm-hmm. That live yeah. in their territory. Yeah, essentially, there's them no more like government. Peasants. They're just, there's zero respect for human Considering life. Considering they call them waste. Yeah, yes. yeah really. Yeah. 
And um, when we when we open in the first issue of Lazarus, there are three people that have broken into an unoccupied safe house. What a great intro! Yeah, what a great oh, intro! Man. And they see her name's Forever Carlisle, the Lazarus of the Carlisle family, and the Lazarus is basically the protector. They've been genetically modified to be badass and basically regenerate from anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was reading in some of the back matter, someone asked Rekka, you know, what would it take to kill them? Said, well, they'd have maybe cutting their head off, maybe might kill them. Well, yeah, there's somebody references that. the Her brother, who later we find is conspiring to start a war, he... Oh no, it's his sister. Anyway, so so some it's some both of, of them, eh? yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Some of right. yeah, some of the family, some of the Carlisle family, is you know, trying to cause trouble. And there's a brother and sister that are living together and are a little creepy. <laughs> they they have a in the back matter. Someone mentioned it, but Rekka said he's never read Game of Thrones, but they have kind of that Game of Thrones. Um, the queen and her They're brother. They're kind of incestuous yeah, a little. Incestuous. Yeah, they if they give each other a birthday kiss, it lasts a little longer than it should. <laughs> by, It's the Angelina Jolie kiss that was seen around the world. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? When she kissed her brother, like, open mouth on the lips at the Oscars or something like that? Oh, mm. It was before the Bradgelina happened. It was... Ah. Yeah. It was before Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But Justin and I, being a decade older than you, we remember... Various pop culture stuff, probably a little bit more. You guys were probably... No, probably back when she yeah. was only in movies to be naked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the good old days. Has back, that, back did that before? change? <laughs> well, no, she no. hasn't been naked in any of them. No, no, dude, she's like skeletal. Well, I haven't watched a movie from her in a long time either. So. And, and now okay. she had her boobs removed, so... Oh, that's right. She did. She had a voluntary double mastectomy. Like, that's a thing. Because she thought, I well, then I won't get cancer. Because it runs in, cancer runs in her family so heavily Damn. that oh. she, now she can't get breast cancer because she doesn't have breasts. That's intense. Plus, I mean, apparently, like, they can make the fake ones look so much, you know, why not get an upgrade, I suppose. If if you had testicular cancer that ran in your family, would you get If you could get an upgrade. Would I get Would I get nudicles? Well, I work from home, so you technically could have brass I'd be balls. like, you I could, really be could like, have actual brass balls. Be like, let me see the softball-sized ones. <laughs> no, because I like to run. If so. I could plug like an MP3 player into mine, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the way right there. Yeah. Two flicks to change the song. Yeah. That, might, that might get old. Before real fast. I opened the store, I worked with this guy, and he had testicular cancer, and he had to have one of them removed. And throughout the plant, that we all started calling him Mounds. <laughs> because Almond Joy has nuts and mounds, but mounds, mounds though. I'm gonna call them Oney, man. <laughs> Should have just called him Oney. Uh-huh. That's a more appropriate name. <laughs> no, wow. but I mean, back Actually. to back to the book. The interesting thing about this, and I don't know if we're if, if we've gotten off to- off topic, is there in the back matter there is all of this scientific like data that's stuff that's happening now to sort of corroborate what he's doing in the book which is oh yeah there's letters that gets back and forth and it's like this is a logical extension of where we're headed exactly which is hugely interesting to me there was there was a couple people a couple people there was a particular letter where somebody was saying hey do you think that this is going to happen or this is or or this is coming soon and then rucka writes back and he's like this is happening right now look this article up and look this article up i use this as reference to start writing this like this is happening right now yeah and people don't realize. But we were talking the um, the Carlisle brother and sister that are a little bit, you know, creepy. creepy. Yeah. yeah. They're having a conversation talking about trying to kill forever. And 
the brothers like i don't how do we kill you know and the sister's like no that's why they all carry around swords all of the lazarus is carry around swords that's why right cut their head off yeah. you know so that's like there the can way. be only one <laughs> but i like her i she liked when awesome. we were introduced you know jumping a little further ahead i liked when we were introduced to the is it the, the lazarus of the mexican they, family the morenos morenos yeah yeah and, and how awesome he them. is yeah. like a cyborg Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I think the the impression that I got from that was that he has seen some shit. He has been yeah. through a lot of battles. He's been repl- like put back together. He's yeah. taken well. He's irreplaceable older than her. damage. Right. They were talking the two of them, and he was saying how he remembered her when she was a little kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the relationship between the two of them was really neat. That was a big a big part of me learning to appreciate forever as a character mm-hmm. a lot more because the two of them just sitting outside. Sipping on iced tea, watching the sunset, hanging out, talking about the good old days. And Mm -hmm. it was neat because it's almost like they're just the quintessential warriors, right? Right. Because they they aren't really tied into the politics. They just do what they're told. They'll kill each other if they're supposed to. But right now, there's no reason for us to fight. So we can enjoy each other's company. And we can be completely uh, uh, amiable with each other. Amiable? Amiable. Even a little bit flirty. Well, they're lovers, I got. The impression I got was that they were lovers. I didn't didn't get that, but I got more of a... Sort of flirtatious. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the thing, like JP's and the samurai mm. stuff a lot. It Very would be like samurai. like two samurais, you know, sitting there. Even you know, we don't have any beef right now, but if our masters, you know, in the next minute, you know, we're ready to go. Yeah, that's it. And it was really neat. There's a very and and there's a very sort of respectable warriors, you yeah. know, feel from these and guys. and very few people. You know, know what that would be like. Well, it's neat because it's such a such an interesting parallel having the the Lazarus near all these other conniving, overly powered, overly wealthy, mm-hmm. you know, egotistical jerks who are just all doing all these power plays and politics, and then right standing right next to them are these incredibly loyal, righteous warriors that do what they're told and you know have have that sort of creed that they live by. And it's neat because. It's so completely different. You it know, does have that real samurai epic sort of feel. It really it. does. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I think that having the Lazarus nearby does a good job of, of you know, making a comparison between their sort of selflessness and the selfishness of the, their their betters, I guess. Mm. They're really just able to to very efficiently compartmentalize emotional mm-hmm. state. So... Here's my job. Here's what I'm here to do. Since I don't have to kill you, let's just hang out. Yeah. They both know sort of it's the language, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the the culture of It's an that. enlightened perspective though yeah. because if you get two people on opposite sides, aggressively opposite sides of any kind of conflict, most of the time, regardless of where they are in the conflict or if they're in a situation where it's a good idea to be attacking each other or not, they're sort of negative and aggressive towards each other all the time. But these guys they're like, well, in this particular situation, there's no need for us to be you know, antagonistic towards each other, so we're just going to be friendly. Why not? But, you know, at the moment's notice, they could switch around. I love how paranoid their uh, Forever's handlers were. Yeah. Because when she's sitting there watching the sunset, waiting for her ride, they're talking to each other like, man, what's wrong? She hasn't moved in like half an hour. Should we send somebody? Is she broken? Is she dead? They they do such a... They're so uptight about keeping tabs on the Lazarus. Mm -hmm. So uptight. Because there's still a mystery that hasn't been revealed yet about her. 
Yeah, I, I get the feeling that she's probably a clone or something. Something like well, that. It's she genetically yeah, engineered. She's, you know, but she's yeah. definitely not an actual, like, birthed blood relative no, of these guys. Yeah, I mean, they probably share genetics in some capacity, but... Yeah, I'm sure we'll find that out, I, I think, in the next story arc. I, I hope so. Can't wait. Interview. Can't wait. What? Getting back to when we talked about it originally, still the the world really hits me. The social economic thing where, you know, these three people when we're first introduced to her are killed because they're going to an abandoned place to find food, you know, even though nobody had been there and yeah, it's like hunting on the King's land, Yeah, you know? And then this war's breaking out because the, the Morenos who control basically Mexico, their land's gone fallow, but the Carlisles have seeds that will grow there to build food. It seems like the Carlisles are, are, really advanced in their genetics. Yeah. You know, as is evidenced by the way that forever regenerates in comparison to the way that the Moray Lazarus is really more of a robot kind of guy. Right. So, but I mean, their resources are military mm, Yeah, because at one point, Oh yeah, they're doing all this negotiation. Yeah. And she wants, she's like, no, I want X number of these. Yeah. You know, you know, you, I want fighter, tanks, whatever and, they were. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Helicopters and stuff. And, and he wanted like drought resistant crop seeds and he had a specific, model that he wanted and it's definitely a world where scarcity is a serious problem it's not it's not a world of abundance and happiness and and plenty as far as resources of any kind it seems like yeah some people may have a lot of one particular kind of resource but everybody is sort of struggling mm-hmm. then you know you there's there's not a complete system we have all the things we need and we're self-sufficient and in this world people don't want to trade wood for sheep <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Can't go gather rocks. Nope. You're going to have to four for one everything. Four for one it. <laughs> it's a four for one kind of world, yeah. man. That's right. And then the bandit comes by, messes up your food. Steals your sheep. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what the Lazarus is. Yeah. Like. You know what's funny? When I first was reading this issue, the very first issue, I somehow missed that her name was Forever. I remember that. And for the whole issue, I thought that Forever was some sort of weird greeting that they gave back and forth or some kind of strange just, you know, <laughs> what's... Yeah, yeah, colloquialism. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's just like... <laughs> and it's said in the future. It's, like, it's like, it's like hail, you know? I thought they were being like, a Forever, how are you doing today? Forever. It's like oh. hail. I'm like, what? Yeah, it took me a page or two I was so confused. John had to John had to stress. That's okay. Straight. When we reviewed Saga, I made up an entire You did. You had a whole other story like, going yeah, on. Like, oh, that's right. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then you're like, no, that's not what it was. And I was like, <gasps> You're <laughs> right. Ding. Mind blow. <laughs> Cannot be trusted with anything important. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. So yeah. there's this conflict between the Carlisles and, and the Mores. And it looks like it's about to bubble over, and some of the people in the Carlisle camp, and they allude to some of the people in the Moray camp being involved with that collusion of wanting to create a conflict. And somebody stands to, I mean, they don't really understand entirely how the involved parties that are trying to conspire to cause trouble, how they plan to profit from conflict between these two groups, but that's definitely going on. What it reminded me of was... Like organized crime shows, like The Sopranos and all that, where mm-hmm. you have the head, but underneath them are all these people wanting to get there, and what can they do to cause? Yeah, it, it yeah. seemed like the no brother, honor among thieves. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like the brother and sister were trying to get this war started so they could 
oust the dad and take over for themselves. And I think on the Morenos, it was his son was in cahoots with them as well. That, yeah. There was kind of a look yeah. that passed between the main Moray f- father, the head of the family, mm-hmm. and the people below him were like, you know, he's kind of like, hmm. Because forever, straight up, quoting the head of the Carlisle family accuses them of collusion, accuses them of, of working with his son, the Carlisle son, to try and cause trouble. When I read that with her delivering the direct quote, it was almost to me like a robot would do it, like, push play, and here's what, mm-hmm. you know. The impression I got was that he was in an earpiece, the father. Oh, Malcolm that, was in No, no, was because there's a, a radio jamming when they're yeah. in their... In their uh, uh, in their territory, there's radio. I jamming. thought that part of the negotiation, because it, fl- it flips back to him, and you know, I thought he was talking to her in some sort of earpiece. I might have missed that or something. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that that wasn't happening. That didn't. I will have to tweet Greg Ruckett and find out. There you go. And that's the great thing now about how accessible a lot of comic creators are. That's true. That's true. Well, either way, she. You're right. She was very robotic about it. Although I think that that was a little bit of a tactic for her to. For her to try and not kill the messenger, her saying, we want this, and with authority and fervor, it may come across as her being boastful and rude or something. But when she says, this is verbatim what my father says, and this is what he wants, and just press play, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The next thing you know, it's it's not like they're going to get mad at her. When we first reviewed the first issue, most of us gave it, it was pretty good. We wanted to see where it was going. Oh, yeah. That's where Joe got the reputation of being a battle axe because he was like, I don't like it nearly as much as you do. Was it this or Superior Foes? It was, it was this one to start, yeah. which and I was no, really was this surprised. One and then Superior Foes, you did that on yeah. also. Which yeah. I was really surprised because, you know, we had talked and you were a big Rekka fan oh, to yeah. begin with. Well, you know, like, given it these extra four issues, a lot of what I wanted to see happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think what bothered me most was a little bit of the the preachy ninety nine percenter yeah. sort of stuff, which which but after the first issue, it's gone. Was was very much downplayed. Yeah, like it, like maybe the scene caption mentions that. Yeah, and then you know, there's one family person, a bunch of serfs, and this many wastes in this region, and that's about all it's kept up with. But other than that. I guess more of the the family drama, which seems like the most important part of the story, has definitely taken the yeah. forefront. I really did like it when they showed how messed up Los Angeles was. Right. <laughs> yeah, and how he's like, you know, you need to take care, better care of your territories. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, whatever. It's just a bunch of waste. Nah. But there's a, still that one mansion on the hill with a swimming pool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> with a conniving, hot, mean bitch there mm-hmm. causing trouble. Making power moves. Man, what she yeah, did there to, changed s- to sneak out of being in trouble with Forever was devious. Yeah. That was... I don't want to give that away, but man. You can she's, tell that she's been planning this she, out for a while. Oh, yeah. She's a she's a mover and a shaker, that one. She's no joke. So from the from the sounds of it, we've all really enjoyed the first trade of this. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I, Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. I, I really I think that... I really think that... There is some relay going on. Really? Because she says, Did she says, that? going back to the, are they talking back, yeah. or not? So I got quiet because I was like, dang it, I'm Justice pretty sure like, I'm right. Fuck you guys. I'm going to find it and see if this <laughs> I'm going to be right for once. So she basically comes into the room to do this negotiation for her, for her father or the head of her family. And the Moray family head is sitting at a table and she kind of says, you know, I speak for my father and she kind of does this very eloquent greeting and then they get into negotiation and she 
She haggles with him. She haggles. And it's at this point, he's like, you know, I want your low hydration strains for the grains, including the J73 and J74 variants. And then she kind of, she says, well, we want the Mark 7s exactly like we were stated. And then as for which your other point, you know, there's another point that she makes in terms of the collusion. And then he says, Maury agrees. And then she says, Carlisle agrees. And she says at one point, I have to relay your answer. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe she, so I could be wrong, but it felt like it to me that I, when I was reading this, that there was a moment where there was a renegotiation and I didn't think that she had the power to make those decisions. So she would have gotten that. That was a little somewhere. interesting because mm. I felt like, yeah, how in the world is it that she's the one who's making these decisions and haggling? But at the same time, they make a bunch of mention of not being able to monitor her what when if, she's in Moray territory because of there's like jamming there. How I read it was that when her and the father was told what to do, they knew almost this is what they're going to come back with. So she was prepared. So she was prepared, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That makes but, sense. But I mean, it like certainly they gave could be her a range. Yeah. I mean, the, the Carlisle Possible. father seems really intelligent and very well prepared. I mean, he really does feel so like a mafioso Don. I'm glad you mentioned the whole samurai thing because it never dawned on me that that could be sort of one of the, you know, that there's this underlying theme of sort of the tra tradition of that because of all the technology. I sort of, I, it sort of just kind of went over my head a little bit or, you know, I just didn't pick it up. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. But. Well, that's the beauty of, of anybody that's purely a warrior and it's, it's not a fighter. Like, okay. I'll deviate a little bit here. I've been doing martial arts for a very long time, and I've come to the conclusion that there are people who are martial artists, there are people who are warriors, and then there are people who are fighters. And people who are fighters, the big thing that sets them apart is that they enjoy it. They like to fight. They get a kick out of it. It's entertainment for them. Martial artists are in love with perfecting technique and practice and respecting history and tradition mm -hmm. and, you know, passing on lineage and philosophy and things like that. And then a warrior is specifically about when things escalate to a point where there's no other option, then you deal with it swiftly and with extreme prejudice. It's not for fun. It's not uh, philosophical. It is gory, bloody, get it done business. Occasionally you know? it's a matter of honor. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is mm -hmm. that that's what's so neat about characters that are thrust into the kind of position that the Lazarus are, is that they're warriors. They're not fighters. They right. don't enjoy it. It is what they do and what they're good at, but it's not what they do for fun. Right? right. It's a completely different perspective, and it's very much the way that, in theory, the samurai were when there were still real wars going on, mm -hmm. is that it wasn't like they were excited and looking. I mean, I'm sure there were some, just like anything in war. There are some people that are fighters that are in war. But real warriors don't really want war. They don't really want that to happen. They're more interested in using war as a tool instead of war as a good time. And so these kind of characters, they very clearly see the use of force as a tool, not as, well, I enjoy it, and so I'm going to do it as much as possible. You know, they're not boisterous. They're not trying to pick fights and talk smack. They're very clean and cut and simple and, you know, if this, then this, like a math problem. There's no emotion involved. And that's very much the way that the, you know, traditional warrior society works. And it's very much reflected in the way that the, that the Lazarus work in this world. So. Yep. I agree. That's a really great way to put that. So Sabretooth is a fighter and Wolverine's a warrior. Yes. Yeah. That's the, actually, it's funny that you brought that up because that's the first thing that I thought of. 
Well, I think Wolverine kind of goes back and forth. I mean, I've read enough Wolverine comics in recent memory where he gets into it a little. <laughs> you know, I think Warrior. Well, he, he has his, he has a little bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has, but I think that that's a, you know going into his whole who you know am I a man or am I an animal? Because the animal side just loves the blood and guts, you know. But that's different. That's not enjoying the fight. That's enjoying the war. You know, because what Wolverine does is he doesn't he doesn't fight. He murders. That's his deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he's the best at what he does and what he does isn't very nice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So. But imagine the luxury of not of knowing that you are very, very, very hard to kill. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, at one point in here in the last book of the Lazarus book, when they the get blown to hell in the last yeah. episode of That's the Lazarus great book, scene, they blow the crap out of her and and uh, Joaquin and they're listing off her you know what's wrong with her and they have like this really cool computer readout that's showing red on this limb and you know and he's it's like, very cinematic yeah, yeah, you know yeah. as she's fighting and you're in the middle of this fray this dynamic awesome battle there's also the people on the other side across the world right, or across the country right? right their handlers that are monitoring all of her vital signs and paying mm. attention to what's going on mm. and she, trying to watch her through like satellite cams and stuff and yeah. and, and remotely dosing her this. and she's increasing right. this and increasing yeah. that That's which totally is really cool, cool. So, totally cool yeah anyway so um back to the whole yeah i, I really like i really like this yeah it's a I great like series well. i'm i'm so looking forward to seeing more yep. of course i think that you know, were I to have any kind of a complaint about this, and it's really not a complaint so much as a, I wish it was. I wish that there was more story about the Lazarus and Forever and all those guys separate from the politics of the family, because the politics of the family—they're a catalyst for action and interest and intrigue. Mm-hmm. But I can tell already that I'm going to get annoyed, and it's going to be tiresome dealing with the petty bullshit of the family. Like I can tell already that. I already like really don't like the, the sister character. I already really don't like the brother because not only are they well, you're not supposed to. Well, I know, but the, but the mm-hmm. thing is, is that there's there's bad guys that you can like, and then there's bad guys that are just petty and just they're just pussies. I mean, he at the first sign of trouble, he's whew, he shoots out. You know, at the first sign of trouble, she makes up some plan to make her look you know flawless. That's not a uh, an enemy or a villain that you can get behind. It's not a villain that you enjoy disliking. You dislike disliking them. Right. You just dislike them altogether. And so I can I can see that the, just the the petty political power play stuff. I'm hoping that it doesn't get to be too much in the forefront, and we get to enjoy more of Forever and her kind of out in the field stuff because yeah. that's more interesting to me. In what I have read so far of Raka, I feel like I can trust him. As oh a, yeah. I can trust yeah. him as a writer, not to put me in a grind where. There's some unnecessary reason that she's put into a fight where she's severely damaged and you're always sort of thinking like, it's like the climax at the end of an action movie where the, the hero is down on the ground getting the crap beat out of him and they get, they get that final wind, you know, and then they come up and they, you know, they impossibly, they overcome the odds right. of being shot four times and, you know, <laughs> and, and beat the bad guy. Like, I, I feel like he won't do that to us over and over, over, and over again, yeah. you know. I am so happy that... When you were going climax of a movie, that it went to the action movie thing because I was expecting a whole. <laughs> oh, thing were, were from you here. expecting Justin to flip the switch? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Keep you on your toes. <laughs> Good. No, you're right, Justin. I think that I have enough faith in Rucker that he won't do that to us. Yeah. But you know, and it's probably a testament to his amazing skill as a writer that he's in four short issues with probably a grand total of maybe 10 pages with these particular characters on them made me really hate them yeah. like a whole lot. 
I got to go back and read that timeline because I never noticed it until this last episode. Mm. So I got to go back and reread it. So I'm glad you said that. I would highly recommend this particular. It's really cool. I mean, it's just it's it's very cool in the way it's drawn and it's cool in their oh, actions. The in in terms of kidding, Michael Arc's great. You know? It's amazing yeah. the use of shadow in the this. Color is it's a yeah. It's amazing. I mean, so, I, I, that was the deepest growl I've heard from you in a while. You must like. <laughs> well, that one was kind of silly. But, yeah. <laughs> I started laughing in the middle. I can't. <laughs> no, but the but last really, one there's almost me of, uh, Dave Ricketts reading ponies comics, <laughs> uh, or watching what is it? Sean Michaels. Sean Michaels. Michaels. <laughs> uh, inside jokes. Inside jokes on a podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the the art is really amazing though and like i said i really do like the use of shadow there's a very noir kind of feel to it mm-hmm. they don't go so far overboard as you tend to see in noir stuff or, that yeah. it's they it every it starts doesn't to, look wet and covered in perpetual darkness right well i mean there's a certain amount of like in a noir comic a good example would be some of the frank miller stuff especially the sin city kind of stuff is sort of the epitome of the you've got black and white and there's like no lines in that it's just like ink like thick ink and negative space and you get to a place where some of the detail gets gobbled up by that stark contrast of white to light to dark but this heads in that direction a little bit with the almost every single page has a bunch of rich blacks on the characters Mm -hmm. it's not just inking it's not just you know black hair or something like that like right on the clothes right on the face this black you know, so it, like yeah. it's really heavy mm-hmm. shadows and it's really striking. Every page is very handsome, but there's still managed to be a lot of detail, which is really nice. And it's sometimes lost in that heavy, dark, noir inking style. So it's kind of a cool, a cool uh, middle ground that's been struck mm-hmm. with this comic. It's very handsome art. Very handsome. The other thing I like outside of the art is that I feel like to a certain degree, I learn in a very, there's a part of me that's very science geeky a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go out of my way to, you know go look and see what the coolest new robot's doing or any of that stuff. But when it comes up and it's interesting to me, I'll look into it. Like, I think that magnetic liquid that's sort of like the ferrous liquid and things like, just things like that, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, it's you fascinating. Up, yeah. It's, it's really in, 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 amazing stuff that is happening in our world right now. And um, when I read this, there's always these little things that you read and then you get towards the back of the book where he's explaining where some of this is coming from. And, and I always find myself kind of like really geeking out on that a little bit. Like, wow. It's like, holy shit, we're this yeah. close? Like, yeah, this like, is this is a, this is really a logical extension. This yeah. is not just science fiction. This is like science, science projection. Yeah, it's happening. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I find that it's really like, interesting yeah, about it as wild. well, where you don't see that in a lot of other books that I've read. It's more fanciful. Mm-hmm. In this, it's like very plausible, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I could see that happening. So final thoughts on Lazarus, you guys? Thumbs up. Yeah. 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 Waiting for more. Definitely. Come to the shop and pick up yeah. that trade. It's oh, that's a that's a steal. Yeah. That is a steal. It's yeah, a for great. ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of steals, the other day, Jamie Taylor and I we went to a used bookstore and I happened to find one of Greg Rucka's Addis Yak novels. And it was the one I needed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So since we had the week off, I spent about three days tearing through that. And uh, if you haven't read any of Greg Rucka's novel series, I highly recommend them as well. Yeah. If you want to start fresh on one, Alpha was so yeah, good. Yeah, Alpha was very good. It was <laughs> basically what would happen if a nuclear bomb threat happens in Disneyland. Interesting. <laughs> That's <laughs> what interesting. What happened to Minnie? <laughs> it was actually Goofy that said it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought it was their Pluto care. Yeah, Pluto yeah, was maybe yeah. their Pluto, Pluto got mad because he's been downgraded. 
There's no <laughs> and flip the switch. So the other comic we were talking about yeah. was 44, right? Well, Speaking 40, of a good yeah. deal. Yeah. The next comic um, that came out last week, and it was one of those ones where I was just planning to do Lazarus, and then I checked this out, and I'm like, oh, my God, we got to do this book. <laughs> right. It's called Letter 44, and you can buy it for the low price of $1. Why is it only $1 when most well, comics I see on the shelf are 4 Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an incentive to get people like me, retailers, to order more. You know, instead of me ordering like three or four copies, you know, for a buck each, I'll order 12, you know, and that way I can, and then for a dollar, I'll check it out, you know, kind of thing. And Is this uh-huh. one of the Aspen ones? No, it's it's actually from Oni. Oh, it's Oni. It's no wonder Press it was book, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the writer of it is, his name is Charles Soule, and he's recently broke on the scene. He's writing uh, Thunderbolts for Marvel right now. Oh, and cool. Superman Wonder Woman from DC, which also debuted last week. I didn't read that. And the interesting thing I was reading about Charles is he's actually a lawyer. Huh. And he's right. He writes comics on his, you know, his fun. So I mean, don't tell John Fultz. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, he has like, you know, three out on the stands right now, you know, and doing a law practice. So thumbs up on the, yeah. you're more of a workaholic than any of us up here. And, you know, Thunderbolts is actually pretty good. Yeah. For this run, and uh, people and who like Super, is awesome. People who like Superman it. and Wonder Woman said that book was good. Oh, all right. <laughs> Apparently, like it wasn't enough it, garbage, fiery smell for them to. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's probably just pages and pages of Superman and Wonder Woman making out, and because that's what they do now in the new. Yeah, computer, that's yeah. Right? That's really? really? Yeah. There was, when did there that was start a, happening? There was a big kiss issue. Oh God! That yeah. was that was the Dan DiDio thing was. Superman's no longer with Lois, and him and Wonder Woman should be a couple. <laughs> I see a baby in the future and a bruised uterus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Or in reverse. But would he punch his way out? Could he punch his way out? If she got a tan. If she got a tan, I don't understand what that because means. Superman gets his power from the sun. Oh, right. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So getting back to letter 44. <laughs> that was deep geek, Joe, man. That was deep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank if you. He gets a tan. <laughs> getting back to letter 44. The premise of this, it, it opens up, and I thought this was kind of interesting, 150 million miles from Earth. Before this, mankind hadn't gotten any further than the moon, fly to the moon and back 300 times, something we only did nine times with the Apollo mission, and you still wouldn't be this far out. So we're getting this deep space, deep, deep space. And this deep space goes to 11. It opens up with a new president being elected. President number 44, which in our world, it was Barack Obama. And they so the analogy was the new president got elected on a promise of change and bringing troops back from Iraq and, and all that. Yeah, incredibly thinly veiled. Right? Very, very thinly veiled. Very much. Talking about the president prior, elections. Yeah. you know, sending us into random wars. That wars we don't need, yeah. you know, that WMD thing totally fell through and I was a laughing stock. Right. Yeah, I was tweeting back and forth with uh, our pal Sean O'Rourke. And he was like, I don't understand why they just didn't make it Bush and Obama since it was so... <laughs> Then it, then well, I mean, they're public figures. It's perfectly legal, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think anybody wants to develop any sympathy for Bush. In which <laughs> no, case, you kind of develop that for the future. If they did, if they did, no. Now, if they did use Bush and Obama 
it would look exactly like the um, President Evil comics and the yeah. Barack Obama zombie yeah, I'm, slayer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, uh, but that's what. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. And then on page 18, Gore comes in and kills them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's why they did it. But I mean, essentially, it's Barack Obama reading a letter left by George W. Bush. And the letter states. Well, you can't say it. That's the. Okay, so uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, I, no, you're killing me. You don't want to, to talk on page like five. No, on like to because the second the half of that's the, the thing. <laughs> so you basically want to say, so go read it, because <laughs> that's the. Well, whole. you can say you can say whatever, whatever you want, but as I was I was reading this, you know, I, and again, I'm I, I pulled this up and I'm like, okay, well, let's see what this letter forty four is. Mm-hmm, da 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 da. Mm-hmm, politics, whatever. President, who gives a shit? Holy shit, <laughs> that's cool. Uh-huh. No. Way. That was my reaction. And then when I got done with it, I was like, damn it, it's too short. What? There's only one of them? Son of a bitch. I have to wait? That was my reaction okay. to this. All right. So the, spo- well, well, the, the spoiler-free solicita- free The solicitation version. gives it away. Mm-hmm. So I spoilers, if, if you want to just experience it, turn off the podcast now. If Come not, down for yeah. a whole dollar. You yeah. can pick it up. But basically in the letter, it stated... Why Bush has made the decisions that he did with Iraq and and the other things that we did. And basically, they found out that in deep space, there is an alien invasion getting ready to come to Earth. Well, there's an alien something. Yeah. They don't know what it is. They assume, what do they say? There's like a near infinite potential for destruction. They have no clue how to... You know how to project what it could possibly do. It's aliens. That, well, the fact that they're out there suggests that they're at a way higher level of, of technology. technology than we are, and there's no real way to know whether they're malevolent or benevolent. Right. But it's safe to assume probably not good, considering that they're hanging way out there and not answering any kind of communication attempts they made, and and they're building something. They're building something, mm-hmm. and they're building something and and hiding it. Hmm. Which yes. that last that, okay we should re- re- not say what it, what it is that they're building because that yeah. last page is kind of like what mm-hmm. baseball field <laughs> field of dreams. <laughs> so so we find they're out if you build pro- it they all come. So was, building it a Froger stand. Yeah, it was Bush's idea to for old women. <laughs> it was the Bush analogy's idea to go to war. So then that way, if there is an invasion, there are. Many military veterans out there. Yeah, he's got seasoned. Yeah, so he's got, got a seasoned combat military, yeah, combat yeah. trained. Yeah. that that would know what to do. And and I was talking. Well, even if that was the case, what would a standard gun do against you know against that technology? Against a giant intergalactic well, something? You, know, you don't know. Maybe they are allergic to copper. Maybe they don't like water. water. Exactly. <laughs> you never know. Well, but I, I mean, warring for peace is like you know. Fucking for abstinence. So <laughs> there's a certain part of that I logic that doesn't make any sense. That so, <laughs> and, and then we are, besides that, there's also been a secret astronaut mission to go out and find it. And those are the people in the first page talking about we're 150 million miles away from Earth now. Yeah. I love how resigned they are to what's going to happen. Well, they've had three years to think about it, right? They've been in space for three years. Right. But at the same time, you see a lot of space fiction and even though they're going out into the great unknown they very rarely go we're all going to die mm-hmm. we're expecting it it's going to happen we're just going to do the best we can to protect the people that we're charged to protect they're always like 
We're going to boldly go where no man has gone before. We're going to go seek out life in new civilizations. It's like that. You know, it's all that sort of Star Trek, you know, Federation thumbs up, yay, exploration stuff. And these guys are like, we're dead. Yeah. Real dead. Yeah. And then and they knew that when they took off. When yeah. they have yeah. seconds you to know, they, they knew that they probably were never coming back. And right. It's just an interesting dynamic among the, the astronauts on the ship. There's I, another there's another big gotcha, another big wow moment, which I really loved as well, which we won't talk about. What I really liked was they were talking, you know, was, they were having a conversation with the president. Going you have back to wait a half hour. And you have to right. wait That's half how far an, they, yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, I could just imagine, you know, like, hey, JP, how are you? Half hour later, I'm good, John. How are you? <laughs> you know, how long that conversation would, would have to to take it's like talking to my teenage daughter (laughs) (laughs) somehow when any one of her friends texts her she doesn't even think about it her thumb just responds but when i text her maybe 45 minutes later i'll get a response yes no okay k k k (laughs) it's like that (laughs) i have a friend who's like that he'll text message incessantly with his his now wife but i'll text message him or call him or something like that and i won't i won't even just i just want to hear back from him <laughs> Sounds like he has his priorities in mind. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's like it's, well, they are newlyweds. Its hands are busy. Yeah, they're actually currently on their honeymoon at the time of this recording. Nice. I haven't texted them since they got married. That's fair. I think that's reasonable. Oh yeah. It's just I'll keep my thumbs out of the business. <laughs> you should text. Right. You should just text him one text that says, "Never mind, crisis averted," and then don't explain it. <laughs> Text him back. Oh my God! Text me. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm good. So, getting back to letter 44, I really enjoyed it. It is definitely worth a dollar. Oh, all day long. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's really, I mean, very well drawn. There's nothing. There's nothing budget about this. When you said that, I was surprised. I thought this was. Well, I mean, it's an introductory price to get him. Yeah. And Oni does great stuff. You may have heard of a little book called Scott Pilgrim. They put that out. Yeah. Just a little, a little book. Yeah. First thing I read off of Oni was uh, Queen and Country by Greg, Greg Rucka. Rucka. It's phenomenal. So definitely give it a, a check out. And... Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. There's not a whole lot of actual story beats that happens in yeah. this. There's a lot of introspection and it was it was reflection. definitely it was definitely set up, but I think the premise is awesome enough that I want to come back and check and it out. And the last page is a big ridiculous hook yeah. in my cheek. Yeah. yeah. I mean I came in you know I I read it I read it digitally and I prefer to have a actual copy. And the moment I came into the shop I was like where's that? I want that. <laughs> and it's only a dollar? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. I I was I had no idea how much it was. I was, I was figuring it was be 3.99 like everything else. And that is pretty much wrapping it up for tonight. Next week with the Thor movie getting ready to come out, mm. we're going to review the first story arc of the new Marvel Now Thor. Beautiful art, great story. I think that we will all dig it. And Crazy uh, cover art, too. Yeah. And maybe if we have enough time, maybe get a, a single review off of Afterlife with Archie, which is, believe it or not, one of the best zombie comics I've read. Completely in excellent. Completely excellent. It... What I want in a zombie comic is very rarely the large-scale zombie stuff, and that's a lot of the time what you get. What I think is fascinating and interesting about the zombie stuff, which is what you get in Walking Dead so much of the time, which is one of the many reasons why it's so incredibly successful, is that that small group, interpersonal, under-pressure, shit goes sideways, that's that's what's interesting. And Archie does such a great job of that. It's... You know, it's intimate. And it, it, I know it's I weird mean, to say that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I I was joking around. This is the first Archie comic I've looked forward to since 
Punisher invaded Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to need Punisher in a minute here. Yeah. I also like how in the back matter, they were basically saying, it's about to get real bad. Yeah. And it's already pretty bad at the end of that first book. But, you know, they're about to say it's going to get a whole lot worse. When Archie goes zombie, has zombie jumped the shark? That's a good question. That is a good question. And I th- I would I would say yes. But this if is, it was the cartoony normal Archie. But, but this but one this, is... But the way this is done, I'm going to say no, because this is a it's a good zombie book no matter who was in it. So well, that, that'll be what we lead off with next yeah, week. I agree. And then I want to talk on. about that. So Cool. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll have these podcasts up quicker than we've had. We have a whole bunch of ba- backlog ones all done now. So yeah, buddy. I'm, I'm planning on putting up two or three a week till we get caught up. Sweet. Nice. So we'll talk to you guys later. You guys are hearing that too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 we're taking a break. <laughs>